Hope you're doing okay at this time. This is my little music room. So I'm leaving the spirit of Jamaica without leaving it. I have been talking for these last seven weeks, seven episodes you hear me talking about this, about that, about that. And I was concentrating mostly on my early days before I came to New York City in 1963, just the other day. So I went from Jamaica to Miami and so many adventures I could share. But today I'm going to be what's called a little more specific. I heard somebody say, hey man, be more Pacific. Pacific? No, specific. And it's going to be me sharing my joys, some stories about some great people I've met along the way who were very encouraging to me. That would give me a pat on the back and say, you do great, man. Keep on going, you know. There's nothing like encouragement for young to tell a younger guy, right? So one of the things I demonstrated earlier is my ability to adapt. It's called the, the gift of mimicry. I used to sit down in the movie theater and try to talk like the, the people on the screen. And they were decidedly not with the Jamaican accent. Jamaican accent. It can be like this. You can be up, up from the bush party and talk like this. Or you talk more cultured Jamaican, you know, I went to the university, right? But the Americans would speak a little like this. So I adopted or adapted this manner of presentation. So I could talk a little more like this and that way people would stop saying, where are you from? So my youth in Jamaica led me to the point where because of the cinema and the movies and the records I heard and seeing Louis Armstrong and seeing Nat King Cole, my dream about going places was powerful, right? But one thing with me, I just love me some rhythm. Whether it was on a box or a bottle cap, you know? I'll be playing with the bottle cap. My first music, make me smile, right? And the other thing I would do, I take the rubber band. Little rubber band when this, the guys are at school and I start to play the rubber band and when I play the rubber band, You can't hear that because this rubber band is inferior. Okay, the point is, I would make music with the rubber band and the bottle cap, and I'd be beating on the, de the desk at school. That was the real value of that desk, not to write things, right? But then, I would be playing rhythm all day. Just a joyful word where rhythm was the key, the heartbeat of life. And I fell in love with that from when I was a very young kid. And that set me on my way. Bottle cap, rubber band, head, play music on my head. Believe it or not, <laughs> going around like a crazy guy. Yes? So they start calling me Monty, the, the mad guy. The mad guy is always singing, playing music. And this is from very young. So. Coming to New York, I started to be a little more like this. So when they spoke to me, I had a little more culture, you know? I didn't want to seem like the guy from the backwoods. So as I continue in this dissertation, I'm going to share my Monty in America. Monty in America. What's your name, kid? Monty Alexander. The, the T in Monty is like the T in water. Americans don't say water. The British people say water. 
I'll have a glass of water. Water. Jamaican say water. Water. Americans say, some of them, water. It's not a T, it's a D. Water. Okay, so Monday, Monday. He left out the T. Monday Alexander. That's my name. So no, I'm going on a little goofy goofy in this time of uh, challenge because I, I'm one of those people that look towards, I said this before, the donut rather than the hole. You know, when you have a donut and you're hungry, you eat the donut rather than the hole. You can't eat the hole. So I leave out the hole. So now I'm being around these great musicians who have welcomed me with friendship. And I'm going to tell you about a couple of people that were so awesome. And thankfully, they're still with us. They're with us full-fledged. And one of them is a wonderful human being and a wonderful artist, one of the greats of all time, Mr. Antonio Benedetto, known to everybody as Tony Bennett. Tony Bennett, yeah. He left his heart in San Francisco. He, he sang about the good life. Just was just awesome. And I met Mr. Bennett way back in the 60s I was playing at the Playboy Club and maybe you saw that photo that Katerina, my number one friend, put out on the internet. It shows me playing the piano and there's Tony right over me singing and there's a wonderful singer people almost have forgotten about her name was Damita Joe. Damita Joe sang like, she was like another Ella, really. And um, that photo is there, you may have seen it. Then through the years I would see Tony from time to time, and it was always this man with this beautiful smile and welcome, and then you heard his music. And I'll tell you the truth, almost every time I would hear Tony sing, I would go to tears because the music is so heart-wrenching, especially on those ballads, you know? So Tony Bennett, to me, was one of the great, great artists that was inspiring. Now, people always have these discussions about who is jazz. No, I don't know if I'm jazz. I, I just like to play music enjoy the notes that I play, play little songs that give me a joyful feeling. And if I want to go for the crazy feeling, I like go for the crazy feeling. I just big play. What's that? I remember my father, you're right, he'd go to the piano and he said, Monty, I can do this. And he go, what's that? So there's a, a place for goofiness, fun and games. But there's also things that have to do with touching your heart and giving you, yes, a tear. You could be playing a song and you, you, you get a, a tear because music does all the gamut of emotions, right? And that's what's been the case with me. So that was a comment or two about Mr. Tony Bennett. And I was at the Playboy when he came in and he said, and when I was there, there was a combo, myself and a guitarist, another great musician that may have been forgotten by so many, too many people. His name was Les Spam. He was, I think you remember, Chattanooga, Tennessee. Les Spam. And we'd be swinging every night. Just a trio. Myself, Les, and sometimes wonderful bassist, Jamil Nasser, or Major Holly, or Bob Crenshaw. We'd be swinging, swinging, swinging. And then one night, who walks in to come and visit him? His good friend, a man from Indianapolis. His name was Wes Montgomery. Wes came in the club with his guitar and they had the greeting and I met Wes for the first time and he, he plugged his guitar lead uh, chord into the amplifier and yes folks, 
It was one heck of a jam session at the Playboy Club, and I'm on the piano, and I think Cranshaw was there, no drummer, Les Span, and his very dear friend, Wes Montgomery. Man, we swing it. I don't remember what song we played at, but I just remembered it was just pure joy to be with Les and his friend Wes, yes. And then later on, I actually played with Wes at the Half Note here in New York, because Winton Kelly, a fellow Jamaican in terms of connection, his mother and father were from Jamaica, but he grew up in Brooklyn. But he was still Jamaican, you know, and I met Winter, and he encouraged, he invited me, rather, to sit in with Wes at the Half Note. It's a jazz club in New York. It was thriving back in the 60s and the 70s. They opened up another club, Midtown, on 54th Street, I think. So I got to be around Wes Montgomery, and when he was looking to have a combo, his manager, Mr. John Levy, who also managed some of the greatest artists at the time, uh, with Nancy Wilson, the great Mr. Ahmed Jamal, Ramsey Lewis, and Cannonball Adderley, who brought Nancy Wilson to, to John Levy. Jo he also managed Wes Montgomery, who Cannonball also brought to John Levy. And um, all I have to say is uh, uh, the memory of playing with Wes after Winton said, yeah, go sit in with Wes. It was like a dream come true. And then not long after, I get a call from John Levy, his manager, saying Wes is looking for a new group. The, the, the group with, with Winton, and it was Paul Chambers, the great bass player, and Jimmy Cobb. They were going to disperse or do something else, and he was looking to form another combo. And he remembered Monty Alexander. Now, Monty Alexander sat in and almost took care of business. You know what that means, right? So much so that John said, Wes is inviting you to come and work with him. And of course, I was very flattered, very floored, very knocked out, very... Because, I mean, in those days, thank Thankfully, I'm gigging all the time. I'm playing here, there, some little club, a little nice place, a concert, whatever. But now to go play with Wes Montgomery was a, was a great honor. And it did not materialize because then along the way, Wes decided, you know what? I'm going to ask my brothers who he used to play a lot with from Indianapolis. Buddy Montgomery, wonderful pianist. And his brother, one of the very first electric bass players of all. He had played the electric bass originally with the Lionel Hampton Orchestra. I think maybe Lionel Hampton was trying to avoid paying the airfare for the bass fiddle. And when he knew he could play the electric bass, <laughs> take a line, you got to buy an airline ticket for the bass to put in the seat, right? But Monk Montgomery became a practitioner of the electric bass, and I assume the Fender. Of course, I shared earlier on how I purchased the Fender bass for my own pleasure, because I love the bass, way back in 1959 in Jamaica. I'm diverting, right? This is about... Uh, playing with Wes, and Wes went with his brothers, and they started to make these recordings that were more tap your foot with the pop beat. You know, I think I'm going out of my head, them kind of songs, right? And people loved it. Of course, the, the real fans of his artistry on the guitar playing what we call jazz was kind of going away. A lot like when Nat King Cole, the king of, of, the king of Cole, stopped playing the piano, as he did with all the greats at the time, you know? Uh, Name it, Benny Cardo, uh, Buddy Rich, all those people. Nat was one of those people. And then the gift of that magical voice where he would sing those words, smooth, I call them caramel songs, caramel notes, butterscotch. He just ooze in that tone, you know? So that's what happened. So now I go to Los Angeles, and um, before I went there, I am playing at Jilly's, of course. Now, this is where I'm talking more like this now because the, the Italian-Americans are saying, hey, kid, where are you from? And I'm saying, I'm from Jamaica. And the guy said, where's that? I said, 
Is that by the racetrack where they have the, uh, the, the horses? No, no, sir, that's not, that's, that's Jamaica and the islands, the Caribbean, right, 90 miles from uh, Camagüey, Cuba, I think, right? So I'm talking more like this so I didn't set apart. My mother said, Monty, when you leave the house, don't talk like a Jamaican, because if you talk like a Jamaican, then we you know, so I'm talking like an American. So at Jillis one night, which was just up the street from the original Birdland, 52nd and Broadway, where I would go on the intermission, I saw among all the great artists, including Duke Ellington, including John Coltrane, including, of all people, Lloyd Price, he was performing there. I saw a man that is in a category all by himself. And another man that, in my opinion, has been kind of not forgotten, but put over on a side as if it was, you know, it, it ain't this kind of music or that kind of music. So we're not putting him in the main category. His name is, he's from Kentucky, like Muhammad Ali was from Louisville, Kentucky, Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, this other man from Kentucky, Lexington, I think, Kentucky, Les McCann. Les McCann, you've heard that name. Well, Les McCann didn't just play the piano. He, he took this music to another place. It was simple, simplistic, straight to the point, to the groove it came, that when he hit the, the notes on the piano, you could feel the pulsation of a celebration of life. People became joyful and he would bring up his church church experience so Les was a real conduit of that and he heard me playing on one of his breaks he came to Jillies and he was apparently taken with Monty Alexander's playing and uh, the next thing you know I was in I was invited to record for his label which is uh, World Pacific Jazz Pacific Jazz and I made this here album and you will see this very very first album if you can see it, it says Les McCann introduces Marty Alexander, Alexander the Great. Oh, hum, I'm not sure about that. But hey, I was trying to find the right notes and apparently I found a few and people received joy. So Les McCann, I just want to tell you about this guy. He would perform around LA and he made some recordings that are to this day, when you hear them, it, unless you're dead, you're going to groove, you're going to swing, you're going to tap your feet, you're going to get that feeling of celebration of life upliftment. Les McCann was a purveyor of the, the positive way of life. Spiritual man and as we speak we lament his um, ailments that are going on and we pray that Les is going to be here for the long 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 run and he's a little sick so he sent him the prayer for my very dear brother Les McCann who is is challenged right now in Los Angeles and he's still breathing. Thank you very much for staying with us. Les thank God for his breathing and everything and so we come and we go it's like that song for all we know we come and go like lip ripples on a stream you know we don't own this life we don't own the breath the breath comes and then one day no more breath because the creator said come on home let's come on home whoever we are you know so I just had to share a little bit about Les McCann who not just a piano player a musician this is a, a he changed the environment and you know I saw him I saw other people that influenced me, that made me want to be something more than what I would have had had I stayed in Jamaica and never had a chance to be around these people. Because we, we're influenced by our, our heroes, right? Les was one, is one. Tony Bennett is a great hero of mine. I can't hear, Luke, I can't hear him sing and perform without getting the tear. That's getting touched, zapped by the, the feeling. Because this thing is about a feeling as well as a knowledge. You can have all the knowledge in the world. But if the knowledge that you studied on a piece of paper that Professor Brown or 
Dr. Jones told you at some college, if you don't know about how to tap into the feeling of that place that says, this is good, it's not going to go to that other place. And somehow with me, I got tapped into the feeling of music. Because when I play music, I'm not thinking the notes. I'm not thinking the book. I'm not thinking what somebody told me. In fact, maybe a couple of people said things that I said, hmm, very, very, very important to think about. My whole teaching was watching people and listening to great recordings and being inspired. And that word inspired means the spirit within. So for me, this music, whether I'm playing some little silly, silly, it's like fun and games. these men and the fact that they offered me their kindness, their friendship, their encouragement and um, I was so blessed to be getting from these people and I decided today when I speak and I don't know how long it's been I was not going to go on as long as I have in the past because folks I'm like you gotta you wind me up it's hard to turn me off you know it's a little rabbit with batteries I'm telling you you can't you can't Stop me down. So I've been talking for a good 20 minutes now, and I'm thinking it's a little too long for some of you folks to hear a guy who's got a million stories to tell. And as we go along, before I continue, I'm going to stop all of the, the happy memories for a moment and lament the passing of a beautiful, beautiful brother. And he would play with me. And you know, some of you might know that uh, as I pay homage to my upbringing my heritage as a young man from Jamaica yes as Jamaican as they come you know I came to America and I found myself among the great musicians and I played jazz with Dizzy Gillespie and Sonny Rollins and I played behind Mr. Sinatra and Mr. Mr. Bennett I recorded with Tony Bennett on his Christmas album he said to me I want you to play on my record I said I don't read Tony and he said you don't have to read you can you know Christmas songs and recorded a swinging Christmas album playing the Christmas songs with the Count Basie Orchestra. And he said, I want you to play like Count Basie. And I did. I think I did. Everybody was happy about it. But I want to turn the page now and tell you that a dear friend, a dear brother, was taken from us. We're, we're waiting to find out how, why, what. But I'm sharing the sad loss of Mr. Earl Appleton, a brother from Jamaica who grew up in the United Kingdom, a very beloved guy when he played the keyboards in my combo, the Harlem Kingston Express. Every time he played a little note or a little inflection or a little idea, it was like, wow, where did that come from? It was a dream that came from Earl's heart that would add to the music we were playing. So I take time out to say, we love you, we love you, Earl, and sad that you have been taken from us by something, and um, God bless his spirit. Yes, Earl Appleton, a beloved brother who played music in my little band, yeah. So, goodbye, sad goodbye. Next week, I'm going to tell you a lot about Ernest Ranglin. 
Me and Mr. Ernest Ramsey, my dear, dear friend, Ernest Ramsey, I'm going to talk about Ernie, one of the greatest, greatest musicians that ever picked up a guitar. And I mean it because I've played with a whole lot of these men. When George Benson, my friend, heard Ernie on a, on a recording with me, he asked me, he said, man, who's that cat? Who's that cat? He said, I can't. Wow, man. You know, and Ernie met George and they became like beautiful friends. And um, in fact, I remember this generous man known as, whose name is George Benson, George gave him one of the guitars he had in his position, possession. And um, anyhow, Ernie's with us, and we made some wonderful music together. And then also, I'm going to tell you about these two men who became like a very, very significant part of my existence. I met them through serendipity. It was all beautiful. John Clayton, one of the great princes among men. John Clayton, you see the little guy in the middle, that's none other than Monty Alexander. And on the, on the other side is none other than a man from Richmond, Indiana. Boy, he can play them drums. This is like, man, his name is Jeffrey Hamilton. And Jeff can talk like this if he wants, but he's really a, a down-home dude, you know? So there's Monty with John and Jeff, and we made a whole lot of music that was, believe it, indescribably awesome. I, I hear the recordings today, and I can't believe it, because there was a time I was playing piano it made me think I was Muhammad Ali while he was knocking everybody out during those years. Okay. Ernie and Clayton and Hamilton next week. Jeff is watching. Jeff is watching. Hey Jeffrey. Peace and love. Keep swinging. <laughs> and keep it it's going. It's an excellent impression. Oh very good. I know what to do when it comes to that sort of thing. You know I can talk like that too. A little bit like uh, I don't know Rory Calhoun or somebody. <laughs> but anyhow there's a young lady in this room with me. She's about beauty, love, positive. And before I invite her, I just want to share with you on June, uh, well, coming some, sometime soon, coming soon, I'm going to be talking with a wonderful host about jazz in the movies, jazz on film. Um, it's going to be on Turner Classic Movies. There are all these great films that I saw growing up in Jamaica and then in America that inspired me to want to be closer to this beautiful thing called music, right? All kind of music, country music, blues music, cowboy music. And um, I saw these films and I'm going to be talking with a great host about this music and the films, right? So stay tuned. Two nights. Two nights. Monty Alexander's conversation about jazz in film. Please check us out. It will be a fine time, right? Okay. TCM. And now I'm going to introduce to you all a very special person in my life. She's a she, a wonderful she. The Speaking she. of films. Speaking about films, I'm going to introduce <laughs> you all to the one and only Miss Katerina Maria Zapponi, whose dad was uh, one, the scriptwriter for Mr. Federico Fellini, the great Italian film director. She grew up with all the movie people in Italy, so she knows the Marcello Mastrani and Sofia Loren and all these people, and she, she doesn't talk much about it. And once in a while, I say, tell me more about Marcello and Mar so on, and she will. And today, she's going to join me for a moment or two. Please join us in front of the camera. Katerina, you want to sit here? Hi, I can sit here or there. Here. What? Okay, you're right behind. Behind okay. the piano. Hi, player. everybody. I'm, I'm, uh, we had requests for people to see me. I don't know why, but here I am. I know why, because Hi. you are a number one lovely and bring out positive vibes. 
and you remind me about all the things I forget. Here I'm to spoil your show. Oh, no, <laughs> you can't spoil my show. So we heard a song the other day that was oh, it was coming from the pen of the great Noel Coward. Yes. Some of you may not know Noel Coward. He was a British-born man who ended up living in a place called Jamaica. Jamaica. In a home called Firefly. And he was living right nearby Mr. Ian Fleming, who wrote all the James Bond books, almost all of the James Bond books, when he lived in Golden Eye, the title of one of James Bond's films. So we talk about stuff like that. Because and, you um, love movies, and I love my American movie classics. And yeah. one of them was Anchors Away and Catherine Grayson and the, that kind of singing oh, that, and, and Jeanette MacDonald and oh. the operetta style. So we yeah. figured this is a good song to do. I'll give you a version of the how I heard it. How but I heard it. I just want to butt in and say Katarina is one of these people that I say kind of like a pun, like a tongue in cheek. The girl of a thousand voices. She yes. can sing in, you know, she sounds like Billy Holiday and Zero Gwen. I said, sing like that for me, and I just fall off of the chair because it's so wonderful when she does it. And of late now, she remembered the, the operato style of Catherine Grayson, who was in those films, and Jeanette MacDonald. So yes, I, I went to the piano, and she went into her, her version of that. And I give the, the impression the, of Jeanette MacDonald. So here's the Monty introduction on the piano. A little run here. <laughs> Lovers. I hope you appreciate it. <laughs> 
songs for you all folks and I'll just consider this is a Jamaican song. This is called Jamento. Auntie wrote a song that goes like this. It's called Jamento. 